Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Joining us is our good friend, Senator Blumenthal, who hasn't been on in quite a while. Senator Blumenthal, first of all, it's been a while. I want to congratulate you on your own reelection, which seems ages ago, but thank really you. isn't. You're welcome. Congratulations <laughs> to you. So, thank you, and to you, too. Thank you. I'm getting sworn in tonight. You know, I completely forgot that about wonderful. it. wonderful. I completely—I forgot about it. Oh, not, you better uh, show up. I Not only show up, I had to organize it. If you're not sworn in by January 4th, I don't know what happens to you, but I'm leaving on Wednesday to Florida, and I'm not back until the 3rd anyway. So, yes, I'm, I'm doing it fast, fast, fast. Anyway, so, Senator Blumenthal, you're in the news. You're actually on the front page of The Hour today talking about the scourge of domestic violence. We're in the middle of holiday season. What would you like to talk about? Let me give the floor to you. What's on your mind? Well, let's talk about domestic violence a bit because, you know, the tragic killing of Julie Minogue, the mother of three, by her intimate partner, boyfriend. Yeah, so terrible. Was needless, senseless, absolutely outrageous, and Rather than focus on a single police officer, we need to look at the entire system, which all too often allows victims and survivors like Julie Minogue to be vulnerable and protective orders to be unenforced and guns to remain in the household. This death was not by a gun, but they are a very common form of killers in domestic violence. Women who are victims of domestic violence are five times more likely to be killed if there's a gun in the home and protective orders need to be enforced more aggressively and and consistently. There is a combination of factors that can lead to fatality or just to the continuance of brutality and physical violence, abuse in homes. And uh, domestic violence is a scourge that we need to combat. It's a cycle. And that's why I formed Men Make a Difference, Men Against Domestic Violence, an organization in Hartford, only men, to spread the word that men have a responsibility here. It's on us because, obviously, men are the ones who most frequently, 90-plus percent of the time, they're responsible for domestic violence, and they see it in, in their own homes growing up, and they perpetuate the cycle of domestic violence. So we need to break that cycle. 
You know, we definitely do. It's it's complex. I will say, we're chatting with Senator Blumenthal, I will say that we we end up having to, and we should, spend a lot of time about with the legal system and the people we know that are already the aggressors, and we have to focus on that because clearly it's failing us. But I also think that we ought to be, and I, I think we ought to be insisting that part of graduating uh, from 12th grade is included in our curriculum uh, relationship, healthy relationship learning uh, and boundaries so that kids, as they're starting out their first loves at 15, 16, 17 years old, they right away know and they right away learn, oh, this is the sign of a partner who's being too controlling or, oh, I am being too controlling. Why do I... Why do I want to control my partner so much? Why do I want to isolate my partner so much? What's going on with me that I'm so insecure that I have to have her on a leash? So I just think that we have to get to it. And the root cause is there's some sickness in our culture. There's, there's, a, there's a pervasive sickness in our homes, as you said, that leads to generation after generation of this. And I think we have to get to it in a neutral setting in a classroom. You're absolutely right, Lisa. It has to happen in the classroom. It has to begin earlier than the 12th grade. Yeah. It has to begin yeah, like sixth and seventh. in yeah. elementary school. Yeah, that's right. That's where, true. Where kids are taught, you know, if you have a disagreement with someone, you don't need to use your fist. You can talk about it and work it out. And you don't need to fight physically over it. And that kind of Social and emotional learning, let's put a name to it, can be funded by the federal government. I've worked very, very hard for more funding, inspired in part by Scarlett Lewis, whose son was killed at Sandy Hook Mm -hmm. as the Jesse Lewis to Love movement. But there are lots of other organizations that are working for social and emotional learning. But also role models are important. And that's the reason why I started this organization called Men Make a Difference, Men Against Domestic Violence, consisting of broadcasters, sports, well-known sports personalities, police officers, public officials, educators, who can be role models. And they go into classrooms, they go into schools, talk to kids, show that domestic violence isn't cool. It isn't something to be emulated. And those kinds of role models are important. And then to violence, the Violence Against Women Act, Mm. which I've championed, has to provide more money for the hotlines and the shelters and really the means for women to exit those relationships that are abusive. You know, it takes a lot of courage and strength to break an abusive, abusive relationship. People often assume, oh, well, you know, she's being beaten, so of course she's going to leave, but it takes real guts and grit to break off a relationship, even when it's abusive, or maybe especially when it's abusive. And I've seen women with their children, all of their belongings in plastic bags, going to a shelter, leaving and breaking with an abusive relationship. It takes real courage for a woman to do that, and we need to support that kind of courage in any way that we can. 
So well, and I know, and financially I, as well yeah. as emotionally, it's important. Yeah, and I had a woman on last week from Connecticut, Protective Moms, and that's been a very effective local grassroots organization too. And she said that, and I've heard this before, Senator Blumenthal, that the most dangerous time for women, in terms of their own physical safety, is when they actually make that move to leave. Like that is really, it's not made up that it's dangerous. It, it really is dangerous for them. So so they stay very often because there's an awareness that if they stay, and they're usually mothers, at least they're alive for their children. And when they leave, they know they may not be. That's exactly right. And that's why the protective orders that separate people from Guns or weapons are very important at that point, and there's a gap in many of the state laws that says in the first 10, 12 days or two weeks or three weeks that the protective order removing or separating people from guns doesn't apply. That's the time when it's most necessary, and so that's the kind of smart approach. The red flag laws that I have worked to implement in the Safer Communities Act passed by Congress in August is very, very important because it separates people from guns at that moment when they are most vulnerable, when the rage is at its highest, and we need to make the protection highest as well. We're chatting with Senator Richard Blumenthal, 203-333-9422. I think we have a couple of people who'd like to say hi. Senator Blumenthal, are you, um, what are you doing for the holidays? What, what do you do around this time of year? Do you get away from Connecticut? Do you sort of recharge your own batteries with your family? What do you do? Well, we lit the menorah lights mm. last night, yeah. uh, the first night of Hanukkah, and I enjoyed your description of the the Jewish connection to the Christmas holiday. Uh, you know, there's also another lesson in Hanukkah, and I've been just kind of mulling it over in my mind you know, Judah Maccabee fought to uh, literally win against Antiochus mm-hmm. and rededicate the Second Temple. He was vastly outnumbered. He was outarmed. He was a small band. The Maccabees triumphed over Antiochus and his massive army. And there's a lesson for us today in that triumph, not only in lighting the candle, you know, the miracle that the oil lasted for eight days when it was only supposed to be enough for one, but the the triumph of that good over evil is a lesson for Ukraine, just to give one example, yeah. where the Ukrainians are vastly outnumbered. They're fighting for their freedom and independence. They are literally resisting against a war criminal, Vladimir Putin, who has committed genocide through his troops. And I've been to the mass graves and Bukta outside of Kiev, visited there myself, mm. talked to townspeople who observe what happened. So it reminds me of the continuing struggle that we see repeated. Obviously, it's not a a religious struggle necessarily, but in some ways it is because the Ukrainian Orthodox Church has been 
the target of subjugation by the Russians over literally centuries. And so the striving for religious tolerance and, and freedom is very much with us today. Uh, so to answer your question very directly, I'm going to try to be with my family over this period. We have four children. Two of them are married. Two others have very, let me say, significant others. And my two sons, uh, my three sons and uh, daughter, hopefully will be with us for a good part of the holiday. But obviously they have their own lives and they're going to try to be with us for as much of it as they can. Are you a grandfather yet? I am not yet. Me neither. We're very much hoping. hoping. I know, hoping. Let's say it together. (laughs) I know what you mean. There's only so much, you know, we can do in that department. Totally. Can't can't (laughs) rush it. I mean, it is what it is. It's so wonderful to chat with you. And I'm thinking maybe Victor Zelensky is today's Judah Maccabee, right? You know, a, scruff, yeah, a scruffy little Jew, Jewish guy who's like a hammer. You know, um, Representative Jim Himes was one of the first guests I had on after Ukraine was attacked. And he came on the mm-hmm. show and he was so dejected. I remind him of this a lot because what was it, last February already? And I said to him, you know, let's talk about this. And he's like, oh, it's going to be over by the end of the weekend. Forget it. The Ukrainians can't win. And I'm, and I, this is what I said. And I can play it back. I said, um, are you really sure? Because I don't want to give up yet. Right. It's my fighting spirit. I'm like, you know, are you sure they're going to have to lose? I mean, who knows? And he's like, no, they're going to be overwhelmed. It's going to be over within the week. And a lot of times since then, I've said I've said to Congressman Himes, I said, you see, you lost faith too soon. Right. I mean, I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win. I came back from my first visit to Ukraine this year. It was in. Uh, January, shortly before the invasion. And everybody was talking, just like you've recounted now, about how quickly Russia was going to conquer Ukraine. And I visited with Volodymyr Zelensky in his office, literally spoke with him in a bipartisan group of senators for about an hour. And I came away thinking, You know, our United States military, our United States State Department, even our president has underestimated Zelensky and the people of Ukraine because he is what he is because of the people of Ukraine and and their fierce resistance. He may be uh, uh, Judah Maccabee, but they are literally uh, the people, the heroes who are going to triumph over the evil here. And I said to President Biden, personally, I said to him, you know, uh, Ukraine can win this thing if we give them the support they need. And fortunately, the United States has come through. We're providing ever-increasing support. I hope this week we'll do another supplemental of nearly $30 billion with more military and humanitarian aid. And I'm literally on my way to Washington today, hopefully to achieve that aid, because the United States is critical, so is NATO. And I believe, as you do, that Ukraine can triumph here. Well, there are people now second-guessing. I'm getting a lot of emails that we shouldn't be fighting a proxy war with Russia over the future of Ukraine and that we've gotten in too deep and too wide with more and more asks of America. So am I hearing from you, Senator Blumenthal, that you still firmly believe that we should continue to support this Ukrainian government and resistance? Is that what I'm hearing? 
we absolutely should do it, not just for the moral imperative, and there is a moral imperative to conquering genocide and war crime, but also it's in the, the interest of our national security. You know, when you think about, let's say, $30 billion, sounds like a lot of money. It is a lot of money. Our defense budget is in excess of $800 billion. $800 billion. We spend $2 billion on every submarine, and that's a bargain, let me tell you, for national security. We produce them here in Connecticut. I'm very proud that Connecticut is the submarine capital of the world. But keep in mind that what we're fighting in Ukraine is aggression against not only Ukraine, but against NATO, against Finland, against Sweden, against NATO allies, Poland, and others who are at risk. And if you don't believe me, just listen to their leaders. NATO is at risk, and so is our national security, because if NATO is attacked, we have to go all in. So Mm -hmm. if we can win against Putin in Ukraine, we will stop a much more costly and painful kind of battle that we'll need to fight. And Putin must be stopped. He must be deterred. And that's why our national security is at stake. So even if you don't care about the humanitarian, even if you just don't care about the moral imperative, keep in mind our national security and defense is at stake. Senator Blumenthal, happy Hanukkah to you and your family. Thank you so much for coming on our show. A happy and a healthy New Year to you. And we'll chat with you after the first of the year. My best to your wife and your kids. I look forward to it. Happy holidays to all of your listeners. And to you, have a good time uh, in Florida. Absolutely. Safe travel. That's where I go. Thanks, Senator Blumenthal. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at Lisa at LisaWexler.com.